Um, I want to continue, if I can, just with a thought about worship and going through some of the Psalms as we have um, over the last few weeks. And today's an interesting one because um, in, in some of the versions of the Bible, we're going to look at Psalm 16. There's a particular word that appears, um, and sometimes the word that they use is glorious, but in a lot of versions, the word is noble. And I want to look today what it is for us to be noble worshippers in the Lord. What does that actually look like? Now, I know there's nothing that you and I have to do for our salvation. We can't add to it. We can't subtract to it. It's all been done on the cross, amen? Done, 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 finished, yeah? But I just think, and I've been saying and harping and banging my drum over the last couple of months, that just like a relationship, just like with my kids or, or with my wife, there are still things that that I can do to position myself to better that relationship. Not because it needs to be better, not because God hasn't given us his, his all, but it's about positioning me to give my all. Does that make any sense? Because so often we give God what we think is our all, but so often we don't. You know? We keep secrets, we keep pain, we keep trial, we keep tribulation, we keep that stuff, we keep secrets with God, and sometimes God wants to move in a way that requires others. He wants to get in deep. He wants to heal. He wants to bless. He wants to grow us in our relationship. If we know God this much, he wants us to know him this much. And when we know him this much, he wants us to know him this much. We can't box God. He was there before time. He'll be there after time. He is above and over time. There is no way that we can fully contain all that God is. Amen? And I think that's the beauty of our faith, that regardless of how mature we may be in faith that we can keep growing and growing and growing in him and and, and digging you know deeper wells um you know just I, I guess diving into a place where for some it makes no sense but god just allows us that space to go if we want to yeah so anyway we're going to see how we're going to go so we're going to look at psalm 16 um it's an interesting psalm in a sense, because a lot of the psalms, when you read the Bible, they've got little titles, you know, for the director of music, a psalm of David, and all that sort of stuff. Psalm 16 is called a miktam. Not a timtam, right? A miktam. Here's the beauty of a miktam. Miktam actually means miktam. There is no English equivalent or translation for it, right? You've got to love it. So the only way to find out what it means is to read all the miktams of David and glean what he's trying to say. Yeah, um, There's just no other way to explain it outside of the original word. But I, I guess there's a clue in this psalm and in, in all of the other Tim Tam psalms. No official answer, but there's a clue. And my suggestion is that as we jump into the psalm, there's a lot that we're going to find. But basically, as a worshipper, as a glorious worshipper, as a noble worshipper, there's one thing that we, we can live in, live in, live in daily, regardless of situation or circumstance. And it's two things that are mentioned in this psalm, and that's safety and satisfaction. Safety and satisfaction. God is our refuge, is he not? Yeah? So, Father, we just say, have your way this morning. Lord, may it make some sense. May you challenge us, move us. Lord God, I pray, Lord, even the ten pegs of our heart will be moved out to create more space for you to speak, to move, to fill. Lord, that we would give you more and more control over our own lives. Father, I thank you that, Lord, we, Lord, we, 
we have a will we can make choices but i thank you lord god that we can be a slave to you in a good way and lord the more control we give you of our life the more jesus like we become lord with ever increasing glory so we just say have your way in our hearts speak to us constantly consistently lord god lead us in your ways in your things father i thank you that you're always there for us that you you never leave us nor will you ever forsake us but i thank you that you've created a place and space for us to step in deeper and deeper still and so in this place we give you all the glory and all the praise and everyone said amen so we're going to read psalm 16 from verse 1 all 11 verses so keep me safe my god for in you i take refuge I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Tell us, um, I, I guess that tells us that we need a saviour. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Yeah, just I want to throw that out there. Apart from you, I have no good thing. You think about that for a minute. Apart from you, God, I have no, nothing at all, no good thing. In other words, the only good thing in my life is you. Everything else can be good, can be bad, but there's really no good thing outside of you you're the one that i cherish yeah i say to the holy people who are in the land they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight often you'll find it read as for the saints who are in the land they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight i just want to focus on the translations that have translated it as noble because it's really important noble ones in whom is all my delight those who run after other gods will suffer more and more i will not pour out libations there's a great word do you love it i will not pour out libations in other words i won't pour, i'm going to pour out it's the spilling of blood for a sacrifice is really what a, a libation is to a god so i will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips lord you alone are my portion and my cup you make my lot secure the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places surely i have a delightful inheritance I will praise the Lord who counsels me, even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I know you've got the NIV version up there and most of it is the same, but here we go. So I want to fo focus on verse 3, if we can. So verse 3 is where I want to focus. And, and this is where the thought on being a noble worshipper comes from. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. The problem is noble is not a word that we use today. Yeah? It's just not in our everyday vocabulary. So, so what does it actually mean? Yeah, it, particularly if we want to capture what this miktam, what this psalm is trying to say. You know, what is it that we do that's noble? What, what does a noble deed even actually look like? Yeah? And, and if we do something noble, basically you would suggest, we would say that, that a noble deed done by someone, it, you're selfless, you're sincere, you're, you're genuine. Yeah, we did something that was admirable, if you like. Yeah, that that's a noble deed. A, a noble thing is the right thing. Yeah, it's never wrong. It's always the right thing. It's noble. It's the honest thing. It's the the brave thing. It's the godly thing, and, and that's really a contrast to the world today, because the world today so often, you know, you you pull people down, you criticise, 
That's not the right thing. They're not noble things. To give someone the thumbs down isn't a noble thing. It's not a, it's not a right thing. And, and over the years, I think I've been moved by videos of believers that, that are worshipping regardless of their situation in the midst of airstrikes and the rumblings of tanks and war, they still have the ability to worship God. I'm totally gobsmacked. You know, I, I'm an emotional person anyway. And, and, and if this comes out anywhere, anyway, like I, I wrote it, I may be emotional today. Who knows? Right? But these people certainly have this ability to worship. And, and, and a noble person is the kind of person that we admire. I admire those people because it is so hard sometimes to align ourselves with God when we don't understand God. So often we can speak to people and we may have had the same experience where something's happened in our lives. So for a portion of our life, we blame God for it. Anyone know people that are like that? They've blamed God for stuff. You may even have done that. And here are these people in war-torn countries. Think of what's happening at the moment, you know, with Russia, etc. And, and the Christians, the believers there, still step into a place of worshipping God. Yeah, I genuinely admire that. They are noble people. They are noble worshippers. They are doing what is the right thing, yeah? And uh, I guess if a noble person is the kind of person that we normally admire, yeah, the problem with that is sometimes we can desire to be that noble person. We can desire to be noble in worship. To be genuine in worship, to be right in worship, to wanting to be like somebody else that we look in worship, a person that we might think is noble. Yeah. Once we desire to be that person, we're no longer noble. Noble doesn't being a noble worshiper doesn't happen through an effort of wanting to be like somebody else or copy them or pretend. A, a genuine worshiper, a noble worshiper, is someone that steps into a place with their own open heart, yeah, regardless of the situation that they're in. You know, if we try to be noble, we'll probably end up doing something that's not noble. <laughs> so, so, what, so what's a noble worshiper? And uh, obviously, we can only worship the Father with a genuine humility. Is that fair? Yeah? A, a genuine humility. And we need a genuine humility because even King David says here in verse 2, he says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Man, that, it takes a long time to get to a place, for me anyway, yeah? Man, I'm just, I often just preach to myself, where regardless of life, of possessions, of relationships, of children, of money, of finances, that I can say, apart from you, God, I have no good thing. It's not, it's not saying that everything else is trash, but it's saying, but you, you're the apple of my eye. You're the, you know, you're the, the field. You're the jewel of great price. You're the one that I want. You, you, apart from anything else, is what's good in my life. And in fact, it's only with you that I have goodness in my life. Yeah. So to, to worship our Father, self, ourself, we, we have to take ourselves off the throne. Yeah? We can't be the be-all and end-all if we're going to be a genuine, noble worshipper of God. You know, we can't present to, to Abba our, our selfish self. We can't present to him our, our flesh, you know, 
I, I think over the last couple of months, we've seen that the worship is all, it's all of our life. It's every part of us, you know, and we can prepare ourselves to be worshippers, to be noble worshippers. It needs preparation, not because we have to, not because he asks for it, but because we want to. Does that make any sense? Because we want to. And, and I guess here's the struggle in Christianity because I've got a friend that often posts on social media and he, and he posted something recently that, say, that said, once you know the love of God, you want to do everything good. You want to do everything for him. You want to worship. You want to pray. You want to read. You want to do all of those things. That was awesome. I read that and then I felt bad. Because who's had moments or days where I don't want to read, I don't want to worship, yeah? Don't want to pray. Are we playing that song again, Mel, in the house? Really? Can we, can we watch Superman on TV? You know, like, you, do, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? That, that the struggle that we have in our Christianity is, yes, we should want to do all of that because we've experienced his love. But the reality is, like these people that, have, that are in war-torn countries and situations where they still worship, sometimes we have to make a decision. And that places us in a place where now we're becoming a genuine worshipper. We're becoming a noble worshipper because it doesn't matter about what's happening around us. Even when I don't feel like it, I know I can. Come on, Andrew, God's there. He loves you. I should want to step into that place. Yeah, because we all have a battle sometimes. I'd love to say we don't have a battle, but that would make that post real, and that post isn't real. We live in a real world <laughs> with real issues, you know. So sometimes we prepare, you know, who may dwell, if you remember a few weeks ago, in the Lord's sacred tent. But the right, the right place of a worshipper is to be humble, for you and I to be humble. I mean, so many of us struggle to be humble. <laughs> because to be humble, you've got to be transparent. To be transparent means people are going to see the real you. They might find out that you're hurting. They might find out that you've got some pain. They might see you crying. You don't have it all together. Shock horror. Yeah? You know, I was speaking to someone just yesterday and they were just sharing about a family member that always looks to have their life together. And this person said to their family member, I'm on to you. I know you don't have your life together. I know there's stuff that you're dealing with on the inside and then that person started to share. But to everybody else, you know. You know, to realise that we need the Lord is to realise we need to worship Him. And to realize that we need to worship him is the, the realization, the revelation that, that we need him. That's why we worship him. Yeah? Especially, especially when life throws you lemons. Yeah? I think of poor Malcolm this morning, you know, <laughs> in our foyer. I'd love to say it was a touch of God. Who knows? But he had a moment, a little bit of a head spin. You know, as he went down, I dove and I caught him. No, I didn't. So it sounded good for the story, but he had a little bit of a head spin and he just goes, oh, oh, and he just had to place himself down. The easiest thing now to do is once you see that I'm not feeling well, is maybe I should go home. I don't feel that well. Maybe I should just rest. Do you mind take, taking me home? But instead, he's sitting down the back worshipping God. I figure that's a picture of a noble worshipper, you know? I figure. Knowing that our sins are forgiven, trusting in Jesus and actually abiding in him, the vine, it's when we're walking with him that scripture says that he delights 
in the genuine worshipper, in that place. Yeah? Psalm 37 talks about us delighting in the Lord, which is lovely. But here, in verse 3, he delights in the noble ones. He does. He actually delights in us. And, and I understand it's got nothing to do with us. It's about his grace and it's about his mercy. It, it, it's possible because he's forgiven. It's possible because of the cross. But the truth is none of us deserve to be delighted on. But somehow he found us worthy. Somehow he placed value upon our lives. And now, yes, we are worthy. And yes, we are valuable. And yes, we're no longer sinners because we're on this side of the cross. Because a sinner, hey, hello, for those that are confused at home, a sinner can't go to heaven. Yeah, sin can't enter heaven. We're now sons and daughters of God. We still can make the odd mistake. Yeah. A smoker that relapses and has a cigarette is not a smoker. They've just had a cigarette. Yeah. And that's a little bit the same for us. So we've got this God that for whatever reason delights in us, actually delights in us, that, that he, he wants to wrap his arms around us because he's totally accepted us and he loves us. You and I, we actually are his prodigals. And he's drawn us back through, through Jesus. He's drawn us back through the love of the Father. He's drawn us back into into his family. And so we receive his righteousness. It's now assigned to, assigned to us. It's given to us. You know, a lovely word in church world is it's been imputed to us. I just think that we praise him. And just like parents enjoy and delight in their children, mostly, <laughs> mostly, God now delights in us. In the same way. So I was sharing with a friend the other day and, and they were just sharing some of their struggle and I, I remember saying, when God looks at us, if we've made a mistake, if we've done something that's not kosher, he's not disappointed in us as in, how dare you, what are you doing? God's disappointed from a love perspective because he looks at us and he says, come on, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're better than that. You know, it's not a dis... It's not a disappointment or a frustration. It's more like, dang, dude, come on, you get, there's more in you. There's such love in the Father and the Father's eyes when we live life with him. We have to understand that he now delights in us, yeah, no matter what. And that, for me, that's a brilliant picture of worship. That, that's, that's what happens in worship. He delights in us and we delight in him. It's this transaction. Hobby horse. When I, if I'm in this house, if, if, if I'm at another church and there are people that are struggling to worship, I understand there are seasons that we go through stuff and it's so hard to open our mouths. It's so hard to raise our hands. It's so hard to give something back to the king. But when I understand there's a transaction, that as I delight in him, he delights in me. Man, there's nothing, there's nothing that should hold us back. It doesn't matter if the person next to you hates your singing. It doesn't matter as they, if you raise your hands and you've got B.O. that you can see the vapours. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's beside you. Knowing there's a transaction that's happening, yeah? That he delights in you as you delight in him. Man, we should be worshipping totally abandoned. Absolutely let go. Where the people that walk in that haven't experienced that go... What a bunch of Fruit Loops. Seriously. Like, what's wrong with them? 
Man, if I walked into a Pentecostal church, when I got, I remember when I was getting, got saved, and they were all praying in tongues, my first thought was, you bunch of sheep. Like, seriously, that makes no sense. Like, seriously, do you think you're saying something? If God could show me the transaction back then of what was happening, then in our worship, it should be even more obvious, shouldn't it? When we're singing praises to him and his goodness and his grace and his mercy and the stuff that he loves about us, he delights in us. Man, the delight, the joy that gets shared, you see it in people's faces. There's nothing worse, seriously. There's nothing worse than watching someone worship. And I'm not talking about an emotional time where God's touching them, but you know when you're looking at someone and, and their worship looks like they're trying to push it through, like they're constipated. You know, I don't know what other picture to give you that you might think yuck about, you know. There are times where you're just sobbing, oh God, I just love you, but it's, a, it's sort of tears of joys. But there's other times you think, oh man, they're really struggling, they don't want to be here, you know. I don't get that. I don't get someone that doesn't want to step into that transaction, that doesn't want to step into the Father that delights in me. Well, I delight in Him. You know, the, and then we get this, this contrast this difference in verse 4, because verse 3 says we see the holy people, the noble ones, the ones he delights in, but then there are those that chase after other gods, verse 4 says. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more, will not pour out libations of blood of such gods, or take, take their names on the lips. These, these are the ones that just don't get it, that just don't know him. I don't think, I'd struggle to say they've accepted him. You know, some would suggest that they're the ones, when they're chasing after other gods, their sins haven't yet been washed away. They haven't fully immersed themselves in the love of God. You know, they're, they're, it's like, oh, I, mean, I don't even think I'm going to have an analogy for it, but it's like buying a house and never stepping into every room. Yeah, you've got every room, every room is a blessing from God, but you just choose to open the front door and stand in the hallway. Yeah, there, there are people that are like that and so rather than going to the rooms and see what God has for them they step back outside of the house and they look at every other house every other mansion every other thing that's around them and they chase after other gods you know, these are the ones you know, where I guess they're doing all kinds of religious things all kinds of religious rites they're just doing stuff you know, that makes no sense all those that run after other gods, small g. God delights in you because you delight in him. You've got to hear that. God delights in you because you delight in him. He delights in you regardless. But if you're chasing after God, he's not sending his delight over there. He's waiting for you like the good father, waiting for the prodigal to turn around so that he can run. Yeah, That's how it works. Just because he died on a cross doesn't mean we can live life without him and still be saved. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Otherwise, what a waste of a death. That it requires, I know it requires nothing from me, but it does require one thing. One thing he's asked of us, choice. Choice, make a choice. Choose to follow Jesus. You know, we're called to worship the Lord first. We're told to have no idols, no other idols. And so there are those that would be considered not noble, and there are those that are forgiven that worship the Lord who would be considered noble, genuine worshippers. So I guess we should want to be genuine worshippers, yeah? I mean, I don't think anyone here wants to be not a genuine worshipper, do you? Would you like to talk after? <laughs> I have some time after my son's football game. <laughs> More so, what are the, 
you know, like there are just benefits of being a, a genuine worshiper. Not that we do things for benefits, but God is just one of those gods that just blesses us and pours out blessing upon our lives. It's important to know that there's good in all of this. You know, you've got noble, you've got the not so noble, you've got the saved, you've got the unsaved, but then there's got to be a reason that we step into a relationship with God. There has to be a reason that we want to be noble worshippers. And it's really simple. It's the fact that he died. It's the fact that he gave his life for us. It's the fact that he's actually given us everything. And now, if we're going to be genuine worshippers, this psalm suggests that he's going to bless us with two great blessings of safety and satisfaction. I love that thought because those together mean, means that life is truly blessed. But you can live a safe life and have no satisfaction. That means you're just surviving. You're just getting by. That some seasons in life feel like you're just trying to keep safe because some seasons in life suck so much. That's why it's important to worship in those seasons because safety and surviving and satisfaction should go together. You know, if, if that's all we ever have is safety and we never experience the joy that God has for us. Before we ever have his safety and we never experience satisfaction of what God has in store for us, that's, that's really sad. What a, what a sad state it would be. Christianity would be no fun at all. Why would we even have faith, you know, if there's no joy? But there should be a joy. You know, if you and I are only ever seeking, though, the joy, the happiness, the satisfaction then that's not based on the reality that God is our refuge. Because how will we ever know him as our safety? So I know it's a little bit confusing, but do you understand? You can't, you can't have just one. Because if you just have safety, you're never satisfied. If you're just satisfied, you never understand who he is as your refuge when life really is terrible. But when you're a genuine worshipper, regardless of what is happening in life, you step into a place and space where you actually experience the fact that he is your refuge, he is your safety, and he's your satisfaction. That you are totally satisfied. What does Paul say? Doesn't he say, I've learned to be content? with little, with much, etc., etc. He's learnt the secret of this stuff. You know, verse 1 says, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. You can't take refuge if you don't share your stuff. You can't take refuge if you don't acknowledge your brokenness. You can't take refuge if you're not prepared to do a little bit of a soul-searching journey in him and with him. You will be the same person you were at 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. You'll never change. Yeah. But if you're prepared to call him your refuge, that means you're prepared to bring your brokenness and lay it at his feet and say, God, I need help in this area. I need you. You're the only one. I feel safe in your arms. Here's what I'm going through. Yeah. Man, in him, I take refuge. You know, there doesn't seem to be, in, the, in this psalm, Often we can discover what's going on in the Bible, you know, what's happening at that point of time. But with this, this particular psalm, there, there's no main moment. We can't actually see where David was at. We can't, we can't actually work out what was happening as he was writing this, which is really important. The general sense, though, is that, God, you've blessed me. God, you've put me in this land that's huge. God, you've given me satisfaction because he writes that. God, you're my refuge. I feel safe with you. We can see that because he's written that. And, and he seems to recognize that there are many that aren't experiencing that. Verse 4, yeah? They're the ones that have chased after other gods. They're the ones that they would call idolaters, if you want. 
But I want to ask the question, what actually is not noble? Those that just chase after other gods. So often when we hear that, we think, well, that's not me because I don't chase after other gods. But people that chase after gods don't worship the one true living God. So where's our worship at? Why aren't we worshipping? I'm not chasing. Why aren't we worshipping? Why aren't we stepping into that place? You know, when we're... Often it's because we're so consumed by our own lives. I'm just, you know, painting a picture. I'm not saying that's you, not saying that's me. Often it could be me. <laughs> Where we're just focusing on our own life, we become self-centered. But we've got to understand, and, we, and we've read and I've mentioned, that outside of him, we have no good thing. It's outside of him we have no good thing. So when we try to find our safety and security in ourselves or in man, we're going to fail badly and we're not a noble worshipper. We're only noble when we find those things in him. You know, Spurgeon actually calls this verse, verse 4, the high crime of idolatry. You know, for those that aren't sure, Charles Spurgeon, mighty man of God, heavy hitter. You know, I play with a hammer and a nail, he pulls out a mallet, <laughs> heavy hitter. He calls it the high crime of idolatry. He says that paganism and idolatry are always around us. Always around us. That just means we have to be aware of where our focus is so that we can keep our focus on the one true living God. Yeah. Interesting enough, let me teach for five lines. That Back then, if you did a search amongst Jewish writings and had a look what the rabbis thought particularly of verse 4 in this particular psalm, what you'll actually find is that many of them consider the worst sin of all out of the Ten Commandments to be idolatry. And I think verse 4 underlines that. I think it proves that. It says that. They believe that idolatry was the mother of sin. Not worshipping the one true God and chasing after other God was the mother of all sins. That's huge. Man, it's so huge in a world today that tells us to put God second, that all this other stuff has to come first. And I'm not just talking about Sunday services, you know, that just, that's just a tip. But where so many things are competing for our affection, it's no wonder the devil has done that and filled our lives, all of our lives. It's not to say that we've got to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Some of the things that our lives are filled with are beautiful. You know, family, watching my kids play sport for me is one of the best things in the world. So we don't throw all of that out, but we have to be aware that sometimes stuff competes for our attention. You know, as believers, unlike those that are not believers, we believe that safety and satisfaction comes through Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? You know, Spurgeon also wrote, professed believers are often... I love this quote. I reckon you'll like... You're going to... Um, like this. Professed believers are often slow towards their true Lord, but sinners hasten after another God. They run like madmen where we creep like snails. Let their zeal rebuke our tardiness, but their sorrows are multiplied by their diligence in multiplying their sins. I actually just really like that because I think we can be tardy, we can be slow when it comes to chasing after our God. One thing I've learned is the taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. There's food, taste and see that the food is good. 
if I'm eating and there's food that I like, people will tell you, eat slower, you'll get filled, and when you're full, you won't overeat. I understand this truth. If there's food that I like, I eat quicker so that I can get more in before I'm full. I know how to build a physique, don't worry. The point is, shouldn't we be like that with God? If this tastes so good, why am I so slow in going back there again? If this tastes so good, why am I taking my time? I know that we want to enjoy it and savour the moments with God, but maybe, maybe there needs to be some hastening after God when we actually realise that he's good. You know, it seems that as we read all of this stuff, we can see the cruelty of idolatry the more that we run away from God. Because trying to find safety and satisfaction out of, outside of him just doesn't happen. So what is not noble? What is not noble? It's running after things. It's finding all our satisfaction and joy in anything but God. That's not noble. The psalm tells us to find our joy, find our purpose, find our portion in the Lord himself. And as a whole... If you were to read Matthew 6, what is not noble in, in your own time, but you know, well within the family of God, Jesus often spoke to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees actually thought that they were noble because they had the best robes. They thought they were noble because they had the best seats, but they, they weren't noble. You know, and, and you and I might be saying we're not chasing after gods, we're not chasing after drugs, we're not chasing after drink. We're not, there's nothing in our lives that's taken your place. Yeah? But you and I have to be aware that the stuff around us that tries and competes for that. You know, the Pharisees basically said, we've got this worked out, we've got this sussed out. They wanted people to look at them and look like them. Yeah. But Jesus saw them in a different way. They weren't as spiritual as they thought. You know, they thought they had worship down pat, they thought they were the experts, but they didn't understand that King David said in this psalm, apart from you I have no good thing. Only, only with God and God alone. You know, we just have to look to Jesus. Jesus himself, man, told us over and over again in Matthew 6 2. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. Matthew 6, but verse 5. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing. The Pharisees actually believed that being noble was being being the pastor of the church, having the robes. But it's not. It's having a genuine faith with God and for God. You know, that, even Matthew 6 and verse 7, all of those things should be a warning to us because sometimes we allow the outward to take control. You know, have you ever watched... I've got to be careful what I say. You ever been somewhere and you watch someone worship and you're just like, wow, this is lovely entertainment, you know? Or you, you watch someone, I know we don't judge, but a spiritual man judges all things. Um, you, ever, you ever look to see and, you, and, you, and you're watching someone worship and you think, it just doesn't seem genuine. I don't know. I, just in your spirit, you know. One of the greatest things that I've ever experienced was we had a guest speaker, I've shared this many times of late, and... Um, uh, Nick Klinkenberg, if I've got remember he's right. I think it was Nick. Was it Nick? I don't know. Anyway, definitely Klinkenberg. He came from, Ta uh, from New Zealand, not Tasmania. Cousins. And he came to lead worship and do something with our worship team many, many years ago. And one Sunday we asked him to preach and lead our worship here. And as he was worshipping, 
the band was playing, he actually just dropped to his knees and lay prostrate on the ground and put his mic down and just started singing because he, he knew he was in the presence of God. It didn't matter who was around him. It didn't matter what I thought as the pastor. Dude, we're going to give you an offering for doing this. Come on. Don't be so lazy, man. There's people here. Sing, 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 Nick, sing. No, I didn't do that. I wanted to do that. Um, ser- like seriously, when you're a pastor, you just want things to flow, you know. You just, but his heart, his heart in, in, in just laying there, being a noble worshipper, being a genuine worshipper, has got nothing to do with what we look like. If you read, you read Job, Job says, how can worship in, one, in any sense look, look good when sometimes our worship is in dust and ashes? Yeah? Job says in 42.6, I take back everything that I, say, I said and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. What's that? That's saying that he positioned himself to worship God yeah, when he was broken, when he was down and out. What he did, yeah? was, sorry camera, <laughs> he did this, he lay in the dirt, face down, and he just worshipped God, he repented of the stuff that he had done wrong, it didn't matter that he was dirty, it wouldn't have mattered if it was raining, it didn't matter if it, he was a mess, he didn't care what anyone else thought, he just needed to position himself before the Lord in worship, that is a noble worshipper, that, that, that is a noble worshipper when it doesn't, it's not about looking impressive. It's not about how wide our hands are. It's not about you know, dropping to your knees, but it's actually having a moment where, you know what? I don't care that I'm in church. I don't care that there are people around me. I don't care that my, my voice doesn't seem to hold a note very well and I sing out of tune. I'm just going to worship him. And if I have to kneel, then I'll kneel. I see my wife do it all the time. You know, and it tears and for her... It's not about show. It's about I'm in the presence of God. That there is, yes, she's my wife, but that's genuine worship. That is noble worship. That is the right way to worship. No matter what comes against us, we should be able to walk into the house, yeah? When we, <laughs> oh, man, I have got so much welling up on the inside of me. When we realise the amount that God loves us, there should be nothing that stops us worshipping him. There should be nothing that robs us of our joy to position ourselves in his presence. Even if we've had a death in the family, yes, we mourn and we grieve, but he's still king. He's still on his throne. Life is still good because I have no good thing apart from him. Yeah? I just want to play this video because it's important to capture joy so that you'll finish happy, yeah? But... The, what, the video that we're about to watch, if it works, and I'll come and help you figure if it doesn't, but a friend of Samuel's, his brother plays AFL, got chosen by Richmond two years ago, hasn't played a game, and got chosen to play his first senior game this week. Yeah? So he's just found out, and then obviously the club wants to see the reaction. They don't know what the reaction is going to be, so he rings home. The first person that answers the phone is his sister, and he's Sudanese, by the way, um, and she's pretty happy, but then it gets to his mum. Then it gets to his mum. The joy that comes out of that, are you good, Vic? Go for it. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. What am I jumping to? Uh, Biggie. <laughs> 
She didn't recognize you. Sorry, I should take your number. How are you? Oh, I'm good, I'm good. How are you going? Oh, good, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyways, I'm just calling to let you know that I'm playing this week. <laughs> I think she swore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you're currently being recorded, oh so, God. yeah. I'm so, my brother just got a game. He's playing, he just got a game. He's going to play his first AFL game. <laughs> I'm about to switch on so I can't shout. Oh, that's that, that's that. Oh my god, Vicky, that's amazing! Yeah, that's I know. The best news. It, yeah, it's so excited. I, like, oh my it's god, crazy. Amazing. I literally found out. Yeah, yeah, I literally found out seconds ago. Hey, Nino. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, how is you? I am great. Um, I'm calling to let you know that I'm playing this week and I'll be playing I my first game. You, can you speak up? Yeah, I'm calling to let you know that I'll be playing this week. That's nothing. Wait, sorry, wait. Sorry, oh my god, I'm never strong. I. <laughs> sorry, I have to go out and scream again. Stop! Oh my god, I'm going so proud of you! Yeah, I know, oh it's exciting. God, it's gonna... <laughs> sorry. Oh, oh my god, this is the best thing ever. God, I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Oh, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Oh, uh, I don't know. This is a lot. Oh, uh, I'm proud of you. Get thank it, you. Get it, get it, yeah. get it, get it, get it. Oh, um, God, I guess I'll see you at the game. I'll see you shorts, please. 100%. Yeah, easy. All right. All right. We'll Thanks, Bye. <laughs> Initially, when she goes, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, because they're believers, they're Christians. And she goes, oh my God. And then she goes, oh, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. And then she goes, she, she has those moments of elation where she screams. The only thing you're missing, if you've ever been part of any sort of African type culture, was the la 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 like I expected that. But she is breaking out in joy. And then, and then the reality of his achievement. This is how God delights on us. She goes, get it, get it. Like this is your chance. Get it, get it, get it. Man, we walk into this place with a God that's like that for us and we, we struggle at times to lift our voices. We struggle at times just to say, to say, thank you, God. And he's there, come on, get it, get it, get it. We say, hey, we had this, this happened this week and God's like, ah, that's awesome. And so that's why it's so important to understand that when we step into this place together as worshippers, even in your own homes, but when we're doing it corporately, there's this transaction that happens. It happens between us and him. He's delighting in us. He's like, ah, my kids are here. Yeah, that's what he's like. And we should be like, yeah, we're really stoked too. And we're going to worship you, you know. Why aren't we like that all the time? Why aren't churches like that everywhere all the time? God's love for us doesn't diminish. It doesn't shrink. It grows, it grows and grows and he transforms us into his son where that becomes a reality more and more. Then no matter what comes against us, we can say no to peer pressure. We can say no to drugs. We can say no to our mates that want to go our pay. We can, we can do whatever we want because we're empowered by the king of kings. The behind the scenes is going, ah! freaking out. Why don't we stand? I'm looking at the time and I, I had all these plans and I had so much to teach but I think that video captures it all 
Being a noble worshipper is not about what we look like. It's not about being a Pharisee. It's not about having our lives all together. It's not about knowing how to worship. It's not about having the best robes or sitting in the front row. Though, please, let me encourage all you that love the back row, sit further up the front. (laughs) It's not about any of that. It's about Jesus looks at our heart. He looks at a genuine worshipper that just comes, regardless if there's bombs, regardless if there's tanks, regardless of what's happening, that will come full of joy, knowing that we are safe in his presence, knowing that we have actually experienced and are totally satisfied and content because he is our God and our King. And then we just worship him and he transacts with us in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, that's not a bad thing, hey? To go away and know that the minute that you open your mouth, the minute that you turn to him, he delights in you. Amen. doesn't matter about your week. (laughs) He's a loving father. He just says, come on, like I do with my kids. One of my boys got caught, you know, lying to his teacher. It was a good lie. He's, he's used it on other teachers and it's worked, but this time, this one teacher was a bit smarter and followed it up and he got busted. And my disappointment isn't like, geez, what are you doing? Slap, slap. It's like, you're actually better than that. I love you. There is so much in you. You're better than that. And that's how God looks to us. And he says to us all, when we have those moments, for any, I don't know who this is for. Whoever's here. You know, he just looks to you. It's not me saying you're better than that. It's him. He says, you're better than that because he knows who's inside of you. Yeah? And that's <laughs> Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, lives inside of us. And he says, come on, you're better than that. And he's there to pick us up straight out of the water as we're drowning. Amen. So why don't we just dedicate this day to the Lord and have a wonderful time in Jesus' name as we drink coffee and throw away tea. Father, I did struggle with the scripture that Ray read earlier that said God loves people and animals. I think it said animals, didn't it? And I thought he surely couldn't be talking about cats. But anyway, forgive me later. So Father, I thank you, God, for this, this place. I thank you, Father, for the reality of your love for us. I thank you, Lord God, that we can rest in you. Lord, we don't want to be like anyone else. We don't want to worship like anyone else. God, we just want to be true blue, genuine worshippers. We want to be a noble people that don't run after other gods, that don't allow the things of this world to, I guess, rob us of what belongs to you. And that's our attention and our focus and our love. And I thank you, God, in you there is safety, in you there is satisfaction, and in God, in you there is joy. I thank you for the truth that... Lord, as we worship you, Father, you are just so over the moon with that, that you just delight in us. And God, may we have an exchange that just transcends this Sunday to tomorrow to the next day. Whenever we stop to spend time with you, may we realize, Father, the transaction that's happening. May our hearts be full. Lord, may our lives be complete. May we be a blessing to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful Sunday.